Welcome to Those Canadian Lads. Here are your hosts, Jeff and Brad. In 1894, Calgary became a city. Both Edmonton and Calgary had existed as towns and forts, but Calgary got to the button first to become a city, even beating the creation of of Alberta as a province by a year. Calgarians celebrated their status with beer and cows. What they did to those cows? I will never know. A very boisterous cowboy by the name of Whitey Deadwood unhitched his horse from the local saloon's post and rode up north to Edmonton. He arrived on Jasper Ave to find Edmontonians going about their business and stomped his way into a nearby watering hole. The locals turned to see Whitey as he walked in, dressed in red and black, gnawing on some cud. One of the kinder Edmontonians turned to Whitey and said, Well, hello there, fine sir. How are you doing this fine evening? And with that, Whitey pulled down his pants and tucked his privates between his legs. And as he bent over and screamed, Screw you, Edmonton. You can eat from Calgary's fruit basket since you'll never be better than us. (laughs) And so began the rivalry of Edmonton and Calgary. Brady versus Manning, Magic versus Larry, Ali versus Frazier, Jeff versus Sobriety. Edmonton and Calgary need the rivalry and each other. Fast forward to 2021, and that rivalry plays out on the ice and football field today. Players like Messier, Gretzky, McDonald, and Fleury did battle. Jerome McGinley headed south from St. Albert, a suburb of Edmonton, to don the red while Ryan Smith gave his front teeth for the copper and blue. Although each team has had their challenges in the past 15 years, since neither of them has been to the Stanley Cup Finals since 2006, the rivalry remains fierce for the supporters of these cities. They do battle once more this Saturday, and tonight we break down the rivalry with a couple Flames fans. Well, at least one. We will find out the secret of why Calgary does, in fact, suck. Let us hope so. Before we get rolling, I want to tell you the story of my favorite Flames memory. In 2004, the Calgary Flames hosted the Tampa Bay Lightning for Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals. I had told a friend, a Calgary fan, that if the Flames got a chance to win at home, I'd drive him down to a bar in Calgary so he could celebrate on the Red Mile. After sitting in a bar for roughly 10 hours and sweating so much that my pit stains had effectively met in the middle of my chest, since it was 40 degrees in the bar, the second overtime began. 33 seconds later, Martin St. Louis takes a rebound from Taylor and pots it above Kippersoft's shoulder to end the game. I thanked my lucky stars, patted my friend on the back, and we headed back up the highway. Not only did they miss their opportunity to win at home, they lost Game 7. Hell yeah! Well, two years later, the Oilers did the same thing losing in Game 7. Edmonton needs Calgary, and Calgary needs Edmonton. Brad, how are you doing this evening? How do you like that bowl of fruit, boys? <laughs> I had to really think about how to work that in without it being too graphic. <laughs> we, we've we've talked about baby butter on this on this podcast, so uh, you hit it right on the head. Edmonton needs Calgary. Calgary needs Edmonton. I am super pumped for tonight's episode of Those Canadian Lads. It's episode seven. We do our sports uh, episode, which we call the scrimmage. This episode solely focuses around the Battle of Alberta. Absolutely. And I believe it's episode 17, not seven. Oh, did I say seven? <laughs> yeah, did. I gotta stop drinking during these things. Oh, uh, it's okay. That that Pepsi uh, Pepsi sugar is doing you, doing you in there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're no, right. I'll, episode 17, Jeff. That's right. Obviously. Um, 
we have the Battle of Alberta coming up on Saturday. Um, so far this season, you could make an argument that the the rivalry hasn't been as strong as it had been in the past. Obviously, uh, the two games they had played a couple of weeks ago obviously went in, in the Oilers' favor, which was great as an Oilers fan. But we didn't see that bounce back necessarily in regards to the you know uh, the heat, the emotion of the game. And I do wonder how a, a Flames fan will kind of wrap up how his season has kind of been going so far. So I know we've lined up uh, a Flames fan to come on, come on. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, no, like basically, you know, just throwing it out there to the Flames Twitterverse and, you know, seeing if we can get somebody that we don't know uh, per se. You know, we don't know this person coming on to the podcast. It's a bit of a risk on our part. You know, I'm a little worried, you know, maybe things will get heated. We don't know, you know, how passionate uh, a fan base that Flames uh, uh, Flames Twitter, Flames uh, Nation is. I know how passionate the Oilers uh uh, you know, world and, and nation is. So uh, from that being said, you know, I'm pretty pumped. We're going to have Kyle uh, Lewis uh, on the, uh, on the pod tonight. He goes by at uh, van Lewis 14 on Twitter. Uh, he's pretty passionate about the, the flames. So uh, with that being said, let's, uh, let's go right into it tonight. I'm super pumped. Episode 17, the scribbage battle of Alberta edition. We've got a great guest for tonight, uh, Kyle Lewis. Uh, welcome to the show at Van Lewis fourteen on Twitter. Big follower of the Calgary Flames, coming on those Canadian Lads podcast tonight. Uh, Flames are 10, 11, and two, uh, twenty-two points currently on the season, fifth in the North Division, fifth out of seventh. Uh, currently uh, having their struggles, lost a few games to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to just kick it off straight into it tonight. Uh, what is going on with the Calgary Flames? Why are they having such struggles? And uh, and maybe give us a breakdown of, of what's going on there. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of players having some issues to Chuck, uh, Johnny Goudreau. Um, just want to get your insight. Let's kick it right off and let you jump in. Yeah, so basically, like, the, the team has got, you know, plenty of good young talent with uh, Magiapani, who's you know, one of the best players in the team this year, Dylan Dubé. Um, and then, of course, you know, your your mainstays, your Goudreau's, your, your Monhans, Lindholms, uh, Matthew Kachuk, obviously. Um, it, it's been beat to death, but, I mean, there's a lot of talk, especially on, on Twitter, uh, about, you know, there being uh, something broken in, in that locker room. Uh, and the more of these, you know, terrible efforts that you see, um, the you know, the more you're inclined to believe it. So... Uh, I think as a fan base, we're still trying to scramble to find all the answers. But again, in my mind, that the biggest one is player usage and, and coaching strategy, both of which have been just deplorable in the in the games I've watched, which is all of them to date. One of the things that really jumped out in the media was after I forget which game it was, but it seems like some of the team teammates came after Matthew Chuchuk after they had that players only meeting. I think it was actually actually the Leafs uh, Muzzin uh, puck flipping uh, right. situation there, right? And, you know, I don't think you can, like the Leaf, that that guy stirs the drink for the the Calgary Flames, Matthew Chuchuk, Chucky. You know, that guy is the guy, that he is the core of your team. And, you know, as an Oiler fan, um, there is no player I hate more in the league (laughs) than Matthew Chuchuk. And we were only one pick away from picking that guy 
And I would love him on, on this team because that's what the Oilers are missing, a sandpaper guy who creates emotion in every game he plays in. And I don't know why they, they would want to mute that. That seems like, you know, there was a lot of smoke around that that scenario. What's your take on that? Well, I certainly hope it isn't true because the reality is, is he is, as you say, you know, the guy that, that stirs the drink and, and uh, you know, brings that fire to the, to the team. And he's also the guy that can back it up with his play. Like, he's a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. Um, you know, I remember a play, it was two seasons ago, strips the puck off Sidney Crosby in overtimes, goes back to the way with, like, a head fake and scores a winning goal. Like, you know, he brings it all to the table. So, but based on how he played after that kind of hit the media, I was inclined to believe that maybe something had been said to him because he was really dialed back. He wasn't in the crease. He wasn't driving everybody crazy. He wasn't doing the the Brad Marshall and the Brendan Gallagher stuff that you see in the East all the time. Um, so I, I, again, I hope it's not the case, but there seems to be a lot of reason to believe that it was. And, and that obviously has created some division in the locker room if, if that's what's occurred. I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head there, Kyle. Like his his play and his demeanor on the ice has definitely changed since that all went down. If it in fact did go down, it, it's hard to say, obviously, because everything we get in the hockey media is just whatever somebody wants to put out there. So you know, we kind of have to read between the lines a little bit. But yeah, there does seem to be some evidence that whatever was said to him, he he has felt the need to kind of tone it down a little bit, which is not his game. And like Brad said. If Kachuk had dropped uh, dropped to the Oilers, I'd be rocking a Kachuk jersey right now. I love that type of play. So it's just like, yeah, it's a shame. You you can't if you take that away from that guy, uh, he could be the next Marchand, or he could be just another guy that flutters around. So there's there's no point to take that away from him. Yeah, and and he's uh, you know uh, whether it's amongst the fans or even in in the media, he is unanimously agreed upon is to be the next captain of the Calgary Flames. It's it's not even discussion. Say, okay, Gio retires, he gets claimed the expansion draft, or, you know, it's time to, you know, like when Aginla became captain, they took it off of Craig Conroy. It was time. Whatever the case is, everybody agrees Kachuk is the next captain of that team. So how they could, or anybody in that locker room could say, well, you know, you got to tone it down or scale it back, whatever. When that, as you said, first of all, again, how important that player is, and that everyone thinks he should be captain, it's like it. It just doesn't add up, quite frankly. I I blame Milan Lucic to be honest with you. He's a he's a mole. <laughs> you guys brought him in from the Oilers. He's a mole. He does not want to to have anything happen to Connor or any of the boys on the Oilers. I I think uh, I think Milan. Well, to be honest, I'm just joking. But I don't think Milan Lucic obviously is not the player that he used to be, and. He doesn't step up, especially in these Battle of Alberta games. You know, when things get heated, you know, I was following Twitter the other night when the Oilers and Flames were playing and the Oilers were winning, you know, quite large. And um, I was wondering where Lucic was. Why isn't the big hit being thrown? Why wasn't, you know, he grabbing somebody and tuning them in? It, that, I'm, I'm really surprised this year specifically. We have 10 games against each other. There hasn't been that emotion in any of these Oiler and Flame games yet. So I'm hoping by Saturday night when we get together that it's going to be a, a bit of a brouhaha. Well, and if there's ever been a, a time for him to step up, I mean, it's now the team is struggling mightily. Um, I, I wouldn't expect them to go in and ragdoll a former teammate by any stretch. But, but to your point, even, you know, in the crease – uh, anything like that. You don't see him grabbing a jersey. You don't see him shoving anybody. You don't see him yapping away. Like He really didn't bring any to the table in that last game at all. He, he's he been a different guy for years on end now, and it's amazing how much of a drop-off he can't, he's had since, well, after that first year with the Oilers. So 
I, I do wonder if, yeah, the, obviously the ship has sailed, unfortunately, on his career. And I, I, Lucic is another guy that when I love watching him play when he was at his in his heyday with the Kings and Bruins. But yeah, it, it's a shame that he's not doing that for uh, for Calgary. But I'm just kind of wondering out loud a little bit and taking it back to, uh, you know, Lucic, McDavid. Obviously, the Oilers had a couple of guys who were theoretically lining up for on team leadership in Hall and uh, Eberle and all those guys. And then obviously that wasn't going to pan out with McDavid and Dreisaitl taking the reins. Is is it possible that's happening with Goudreau, Monaghan, and those other guys that have been already high-ranked guys for the Flames? Yeah, I think it it certainly is. I mean, uh, especially where the Flames had, during the, I guess, the tenure of Goudreau and Monaghan, they've gone from uh, non-playoff team, playoff team, non-playoff, playoff team. Uh, But other than 2015, when they made it to the second round and got handily dispatched uh, by the Ducks, they hadn't made it out of the first round, right? So I think as you have regular season success and then uh, you know less so last season for those two, it really starts to raise the questions of you know okay, when do you move on from those players? Uh, the next young guys behind them are they ready to assume those roles? Um, myself personally, I, I don't believe it's necessarily on those two. I think there's still a bit more road for them in Calgary, but I do think you have to start looking at doing trying different things. And one of the things that came up today on Twitter was you know, breaking up Goudreau and Monaghan. Of all the line combinations they try in Calgary, they do not split those two up. Right. That That's something that I'd be curious to see. Well, that's kind of where I want to segue too. is, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trolling, but I'm sitting in the background watching Flames Twitter. And I know Eric Francis throws this out there all the time, but uh, is there an appetite to trade Johnny Hockey? That's a great question because it's... Uh, because <laughs> I know you're not trolling when you ask it, right? And and I, and I feel obviously <laughs> with with Francis that, that he very much is, and it's driving, for lack of a better way of putting it, drives the fucking fan base just nuts. Um, I, there is there is an appetite for that. I really I think there is because anytime you have someone with that level of skill and your team is performing that poorly, you look to your most valuable asset and what you could get for him. You know, it's pie in the sky thinking like if we traded uh, Goudreau and a first and uh, like Connor Zeri to Buffalo, could we get Jack Eichel type thinking, right? Um, but the problem with, with that with that rhetoric, with that narrative, is that guys like Francis push it as like, oh, he's leaving town. And I'm sure you oh, guys yeah. probably heard of that on the nine, on oh. Fan 960 the other day. It's like, oh, like, yeah, there's no way he's coming back. You know? And Pinder took him to task. And it's like, well, you, you state it like it's a fact. <laughs> I'm going I'm to reiterate it again. It's not a fact. Um, I, I, I do know, you know a few people in, in Johnny's family, actually, who have said that, that he loves Calgary and and uh, it doesn't mean he's going to stay there forever, but I, you know, I think the appetite is there for him to stay. But the fan base, I think, is kind of right down the middle in terms of how they actually feel. 50% say, you know what, we're not going to win with Johnny. Like, let's move on from whether that's the case or not. See what you can get. The other 50% says, well, it's a coaching problem. Uh, he doesn't have a true number one center. Monahan's decent goal scorer, but that's it. But I, I would say it's pretty damn close to right down the middle in terms of where people lie on that topic. Well, I, I, I want to jump in there because it's not one player who gets you to the promise line. We have Connor McDavid, who's the greatest hockey player currently in North in the world. Shut, shut Jeff. Come on. He's the greatest. He's the you best can't call him the player. greatest. Get out of it. Keep going. He's the best player uh, in the I'm, fucking world. He, right now. <laughs> doesn't make him the greatest blankety blank. He's got a long career ahead of himself here. Calm down. He's he only tied Crosby's five hundred points. Jeff, so. like, the way he plays, 
is right, unreal just plug, until just Mark Giordano breaks his leg. Finish, oh, <laughs> there finish, it is. Your, there finish it your thoughts. Sorry, finish your thoughts. I'm just joking. Thoughts. Anyways, yeah. but no, it's one player doesn't make a team. It, no. it, it, they the management in the Calgary Flames haven't put key players around Johnny and found that that key person who will help him. You know become a better player right you need to have a one-two punch you need to have a player that he will play with who has chemistry it's not johnny hockey's fault that management will not put that together brad tree tree, tree living hasn't done a good enough job putting those pieces together he's got the good piece in the goaltender now it's time to put his forward group you know in, in a better place and that's my opinion on that yeah, and I think Dude, I think there's defending Calgary. Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting really weird. Um, I, I think there's there's some truth to that though too, because a lot of uh, the worst moves that Brad Tree Living's made have have been around uh, free agent signings, like Troy Brower. And, and you know, this was brought up earlier about Lucic. I mean, players that play a physical game that will pot you 20, 30 goals, you know, play in front of them on the power play, they age fucking terribly. Terrible. Absolutely. They're, yeah. they're not built to play till they're 40. And that's fine, you know? But I mean, you're, you're going to get, you know, from their, let's say 20 first years in the league up to 30 is just about your limit for productive years, those guys. I'm not sure how old Lucic is now, but the days of getting that many goals with that guy are, are, are long gone. So they tried the Broward thing. They stuck him on the power play with Goudreau Minahan. It was a disaster, right? They tried the James Neal thing. Well, Lindholm kind of took that spot. Neal was never a fit in Calgary. I'm not even really sure what to make of him at Edmonton because, quite frankly, I think if you stuck me with Connor McDavid, I could probably pot 10 goals in the NHL. Oh. I like to think. Bounce it off my face. It could totally work. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah. I, uh, like, it's, it's annoying. Obviously, like, um, and Eric Francis might, at the end of the day, might be right about this, uh, which would be what? consider. I, I can't imagine he's right all that often. Right. Eric Francis is. Well, it's, it's a, he's some a, fun guys. You take care. <laughs> 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 I. I, I've talked about this on previous podcasts, like uh, reading Eric France and Spectre fits in this category a little bit too. It's more like I like to read it to get myself worked up and read the comments below it to a certain extent. But, but I, there are times when like, and don't get me wrong. It's, it's tough to be in a reporter. And then during the course of a game, you have to tweet out live predictions almost. But one of the things that I just laughed my ass off at was when the Oilers uh, absolutely kicked the crap out of the flames and he had tweeted out about Kachuk, uh, the penalty against uh, that Kachuk had drawn. And now this was his opportunity to put a stamp on the game. And then the Oilers just potted five. And I was just like, well, I know it's tough to make those predictions, but holy hell, man, don't <laughs> you got killed on that one. Yeah. Oh, big time, big time. And I, I find like I, I pay a fair bit of attention to, to Edmonton Sports Media as well. And, and Mark Spector is kind of like, to me, he's like Eric Francis Light. He says a oh, yeah. lot of stuff that I think is stupid and I agree with, but he's not as bombastic about it. He's not as arrogant. Like er- Eric Francis has probably got two to three hundred Flames fans blocked on Twitter. <laughs> like, and, and you know, and it's like a it's like a badge of honor on there. Like a Flames fan will gladly tweet a screenshot of being blocked by Eric Francis. <laughs> they're just they're just all too happy. Um, and there's there are legitimate concerns too. That you know. There, there's guys like him in, in Calgary, and specifically him in this case, that is going to drive a star player like a Goudreau to town because he's just relentless with the same old rhetoric, the Sportsnet uh, articles on, you know, Johnny Hawk's going to leave or Johnny Hockey's playing like shit. And it's like, okay, you know, fi- find the new topic, you know, quit, quit flogging the same thing. Like, it's it's really, really frustrating. We're not proud to have him. If you guys need him, by all means, <laughs> <No>. please. <laughs> you know what? It's funny, like, we were talking about that, but that – it couldn't be more true you know like it, people don't realize like it, it's all about influencing right you know we're 
we're in business, you know, all three of us, you know, it's, uh, you can influence things by continually repeating a message out there. And then either people start believing it or putting doubt in people's heads. And, um, yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on because I think he's the ultimate troll, not only on the fan base, but he's obviously pushing his his influence. You know, he works for Sportsnet, the the media uh, company that, you know, plays the Flames games all the time. They sit him on the panel every Flames game. And unfortunately, we had to watch Eric Francis the other night because uh, of COVID. We couldn't have our own crew <laughs> uh, hosting the game. I've never seen more of a punchable, punchable face in my life. You know, it was just... I had to, I'd walked out of the room when he started talking. I'm like, this guy's a yeah. knob. Yeah. And, I, and I've heard actually from a few, and I've obviously, you know, have a number of close friends in Calgary. I've heard this from them that he's the kind of guy that, you know, you walk into a room and if you don't know who he is, he has that smug, almost asked the question of like, you don't, you don't know who I am. <laughs> like just a complete arrogant ass. Right. And it's, it's, it's a bad look for the team to be associated with that. I mean, I, th- I think as a journalist, I mean, you've got to kind of ask the tough questions and, and, you know, any press is good press type mentality, but you know, he, he's approaching Steve Simmons territory. It's like the biggest oh. in, in hockey. Like, Oh, uh, I, I've run into him at a great cup event and w- talking about punchable faces. That guy's a, that guy's a sack. <laughs> like, so, like, my God. Are we allowed to say that on our podcast? Cause that we, we, we want to it's, these guys. In the it's, it's not, li- it's not libel or anything. So it's fine. It's, it's factual. It's, not <laughs> it's factual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do want to, I just want to uh, transition topics really quickly. Cause we are talking about punchable faces. Um, so, I see. I, I see, Kyle. You have you have some nice uh, Calgary Flames wear there, and you said uh, in when we we're talking before the podcast that a lot of them are game worn jerseys. I'm assuming whenever you get a chance, you get yourself to a game. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that Edmonton fans are great fans because they are aggressive jerks for the most part, and I. I but I think there's a pretty commonality amongst Flames and Oilers fans where it's a, it's a friendly rivalry at the game, but. It, when you go to a game, have what are some what are some of the worst fan interactions you've had in regards to other Canadian teams? Oh, <laughs> with regards to the Canadian teams, the uh, you guys can likely relate to if you've ever been to an Oilers game where they're playing the Leafs. Like, oh. I don't. I'll I'll be honest here. Like, I you know I, the when they retired Drew McGinley's jersey in Calgary, I was there for that game. Mike Smith blew it for us, just for the record. Um, <laughs> But a few days later, I was still in town, so I caught the, the Flames-Leafs game. And I'd been to Leafs games in Toronto and Ottawa, but the way that that fan base can take, a, take over an opposing arena oh. and, and drown out you know, the hometown fans who somehow account for you know, 15 20% of the attendance, it is mind-boggling. I don't know if maybe there's a little bit of jealousy in my part that you know, the Flames fan base isn't you know, powerful enough or vocal enough to do that in an opposing team's barn, at least in Canada. Anybody can do it in Florida, for example. Right. But, but to see that and the level of arrogance and on a fan level, like say you're sitting next to some Leafs fans and I've, I've been in, you know, numerous NHL cities and you have a beer with a guy next to you. You talk about your favorite players in your team, you know, your team scores and he goes, ah, damn it. It's like, it was a nice goal though. I never had that with Leafs fans. They just... <laughs> They just cheer louder. Like if they're pounding the flames in this case, they get louder with every goal. And I don't know how that's fun because it's not really a contest anymore, right? Right. Like it's like a wrestling match where it's a jobber against Hulk Hogan. Like you know the outcome. Like nobody's enjoying this. Just just end it. 
but they just they're so into it and they and they think every year's the year the team's gonna win the cup and, and and don't get like this year especially the Leafs have a tremendous team but as far as fan interactions go the level of arrogance you know <laughs> behind those fans and there's some good ones you know I'm sure we all know some but just on the whole and to sit next to them in an arena I, I don't know that I'll go another Calgary Toronto game it's it's just it's an experience man it's it's tough yeah, I, I don't know why I punish myself and make I, – I agree with you. The Leafs game is the one I always try to go to. I don't know why I continuously punish myself by going to this game in Edmonton and just being absolutely throttled by the – and Toronto's got a great record at Rogers Place now, which is freaking very frustrating. But I uh, I got into it with uh, one couple, which I probably shouldn't have. I was, I was being the jerk fan as well. So, But um, – uh, they were jawing at me about the Oilers sucking, and it's hard to actually argue at that point in time. But <laughs> I just turned and I said, "I'm like, I'm like, well, how'd you pick the Leafs?" She's like, "Well, I didn't pick pick it by proximity," and I'm like, "Well, you certainly didn't pick it by success either." So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, it's uh, it, it's hard not to en- engage at that point, though, right? But I mean, I, I can't think of a specific interaction that I had even at that last game that that I had attended. But it was the same what you just described. Is exactly it. Like, there's no, yeah. There's there's no logic behind you know why they're a Leafs fan. It's just the Leafs are the best, and that's it. Like to do this podcast, like you know, w- with a Leafs fan, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> like because there's just there, there's no there, there's nothing behind it. It's just it's like everything's factual. The Leafs are the best team on the planet, and this this is your year. And if it's not next year, is your year. And it's like okay, there's, like <laughs> there's no mirrors in Leafs fans' households. So. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I'm just surprised we're having such a friendly conversation and we're Edmonton and Calgary fans, I think. And, and you know what? Going back to that question, though, Jeff, is like some of the funnest games I've ever been to is Calgary and Edmonton because the fans will jot each other. They'll, you know, they'll go at each other the entire game. And then after the game, you see Flames and Oilers fans pounded beers after the game having having a good time, right? So I, I think, you know, it's a hot tested rivalry but i think we we all know you know our teams are we're just real fans i think flames their toronto fans have fans you know i think they jump on that bad bandwagon you know you got to go through um you know the type of rivalries that we've gone through you know to create not only that hate but almost that that love of that battle of alberta you know I, there's nothing more than i look forward to than a calgary edmonton game it could be on a wednesday night at eight o'clock mountain standard time yeah. uh or saturday night just gets you more jones and right it's that uh, that's what's disappointed me this year one not having fans in the stands but two not being able to uh to go and and uh, and enjoy it right but uh yeah. What What are your well, thoughts what, on what, on the, the boa? Yeah. Well, it's the timing. You just alluded to this yourself. The, the timing of of COVID from from a VOA standpoint is was horrendous. We had those incredibly dramatic, fight filled games, reminiscent of the '80s, the real Battle of Alberta, right? And, and at its prime, uh, the, the Talbot Smith fight and all that. And then what was it? Six, eight weeks later, COVID's in full swing, and there's no fans at games. I mean. Unless I'm forgetting, other than a few, you know, dust ups here and there, there hasn't been that type of sustained passion across the Battle of Alberta in, in a number of years, right? Like, because that's team why it was always garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that's the thing. And that's why this year is so disappointing is that they've, they've not brought the emotion, either team. You know they're they're playing for the points, which is so important in this North Division. Every game's a four point game, but 
what's disappointing is the the last two games the Oilers and Flames have played there is no emotion in that game and you can't tell me they're those teams like each other they don't like each other especially with what happened on February 1st 2020 last year you know that was crazy yeah there's, there's no question Brad keeps trying to sell me on the fact that because it is the Canadian North Division, every game is a playoff game, and therefore every game will be fun and watchable. But uh, I don't think that's been proven true yet. So, yeah, well, I think every player that's been, you know, that's been uh, interviewed or been asked the question, because I've heard it several times that they're tired of playing the same team over and over and over again. And and I think. After you've played, and I'm not picking on them, but we'll pick Ottawa as an example. After you played Ottawa four or five times in a row, are you going to be able to get up for you know for the Flames the game against the Oilers or vice versa? Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to use the word bored, but I'm not sure how else you describe it. And you take out that fan interaction, which which you guys you know describe so well uh, between Oilers and Flames fans, and I think the reason that we're getting along so well and talking about things we don't we don't uh, we mutually don't like is because we don't have you know the usual circumstances where you can go to a game or our teams are both successful and, you know, bragging rights. Like it doesn't seem like much of that's on the line right now. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, that's, that's the kicker is that emotion is kind of sucked out of the the rivalry right now. And all, all we can do is have podcasts and tweet about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Until such time as it comes back. And I, I think there's enough skill on both teams. I mean, obviously Edmonton is, they're a bit of a mystery too. I mean, I always felt the first few years that McDavid didn't have a ton of support and then dry settle kind of the same thing. Goaltending obviously has been an on again, off again issue, but both of these teams, I think we can all agree should be better than they are, or at least be a lot more consistent than they are. And if that were the case, uh, you know, the battle of Alberta, I think would hold a lot more meaning right now. It, it almost feels like it's stuck right now. Like we're not going back to like the, the early two thousands and all the, you know, and all that kind of thing. But it's it's not really progressing. So when we have fans in the arenas again, when both teams are at least uh, vying for a playoff spot, I mean, there's still lots of time left, but it's a short schedule, right? But when those things are are happening again, I think that's when this battle is going to become what it was trending towards last February. It's going to be more impassioned. It's going to be more meaningful. Uh, the fans will be, the chirps will be better flying back and forth. I mean, Right now, it's like, oh yeah, like I've been kicking her ass. Well, everybody's kicking her ass, right? So yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out as things move forward as we get away from from COVID and all that nonsense. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we're only a scant uh, six months away from seeing that happen in the barn again. But uh, but as I said it's hard to tell at this point in time. So, but no, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more, Kyle. I, I think it is going to be a return to normalcy that's going to actually stir that up again. And it'll be interesting to see what, obviously, the season still has to play out. If there's major changes uh, in the Flames organization, it'll be interesting to see where they kind of settle out. I, as I said, I'm not a GM of a team, and nor should anyone make me one, but I'd be I'd be hard-pressed for anybody to say that they should dismantle that team at this point in time, especially with a weird year like COVID. I think the the question mark above that and the, the weird schedule, the weird division, it, it's hard to get a true read on exactly what you're working with. Yeah, and then that's what we're talking about with the Leafs too, right? I mean, it looks like world beaters right now. But again, as you said, I mean, until they play the Bruins, the Lightning, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they waltzed in the playoffs after beating up on all of Canada throughout the year and then, you know, lose in four or five games to one of the one of those teams. I wouldn't so. I could enjoy I could enjoy that immensely. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know oh, yeah. what? I'm actually gonna add a little comment to that too, because I was thinking about this when we mentioned uh, you know, Leafs fans and, and, and their fan base. The, the thing is with with teams like Toronto, they've always had money, right? Even when the Canadian dollar was in the toilet. 
Um, the Oilers and Flames didn't necessarily. And I think those lean years and seeing stars leave town kind of galvanized the fan bases and made it so it wasn't like the 80s where we absolutely hated each other, right? And then you had those those Stanley Cup runs. So in 2004, I know there was a lot of Oilers fans cheering for the Flames. And I know in 2006, I did the exact same thing. I was devastated when the Oilers lost to the Hurricanes. Oh. Devastated. Oh, God. Don't like, quite. <laughs> <laughs> Just extending an olive branch. You know? <laughs> no, very, very kind of you. I did. I just, uh, yeah, the, just the memories have fr- fr- come running back about just sitting on Brad's couch and then having to go sit on his front lawn by myself for 10 minutes after that game seven. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. It's, 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 it's fun how you can be so invested into your team and whether they win or they lose, the emotional roller coaster that comes with it is just, it's just immense sometimes. So, yeah. Kyle, I got, I got two more questions kind of to, to run through you here. Um, the first, thing is as someone who's never stepped foot in the godless saddle dome of calgary and i never will I, honestly i, I won't because I'm, I'm i'm afraid that i'll get punched in the face what is your thoughts not only of the saddle dome but the future or arena for the uh for the flames oh well this the saddle dome is, is architecturally it's a really cool building uh obviously it's antiquated um it's uh, <laughs> it, it seems pretty cool. I, I mean, my first <laughs> NHL game was at the Saddleum, right? And yep, it seems yep. really cool until you've been to other NHL arenas. Um, the last year I was in Washington and I was in Columbus, uh, even uh, even in Ottawa, they've got a, a, a decent rank there. But as you get into the newer ones, you start to realize how out of date the Saddleum is and just how badly that city needs a new arena. Um. In terms of how the new arena deal came about, a lot of politics, obviously. As someone who doesn't live in Calgary, I kind of had a bit of a unique perspective on that. There was a, a lot of pressure from the from the Flames organization on the city and on, you know, get as many taxpayer dollars as they can. At the end of the day, I think they wound up with a f- pretty fair deal for everyone involved. Um, I'm excited to see the team in a new arena because, again, after seeing other rinks, you know how badly, badly, badly they need one. And, you know... As far as Rogers Center goes, I mean, if you were to set foot in the side of them, you would certainly see how badly we need it as well. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, never will happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's a rough arena. That's a that's a rough it, looking it, place it, it right is. now. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say about the dome, though, that I don't know will be the case of the new arena, and wasn't the case with several others that I've been to, is that even the cheapest seats are a decent view of the ice. Because mm. the way that that thing is shaped, like. Again, it's antiquated, it's old, it, it, it's, it's got to go, and it's going to be sad when it does. But in that rank, I remember the first time when I had what they called the sport check zone. I'm not sure if they still call it that. They were like $20 a seat. And this is in like 2008, 2009. And, and uh, you could see everything perfect from way up in the nosebleeds. And there's other arenas I've done that. And it's like, okay, I got I to gotta spend more money on these tickets because I can't see a damn thing. <laughs> No, you had anything, Jeff? No, no. I was gonna say <laughs> you, you, you're the one who said you had two more questions. I'm letting you oh, take. I'm gonna take the finish on that one. You know, yeah. before we, I wanted to do this, and, and before we close this out, um, I wanted to, you know, obviously being an Oiler fan, I wanted to get an insight what your your favorite moment in Flames history is as a fan, and then maybe Jeff and I can give you a favorite moment in Flames history from an Oiler fan perspective. <laughs> So we can pretty well bet they're not going to be the same moment. I, they're not going to be the same. So 
we'll start with you and then maybe Jeff and I can give you some perspective from a from an Oiler fan. Uh, so a favorite well, I guess it's easy. A, a favorite on ice moment would be uh it was in the twenty fifteen playoffs. I was at the game where where uh Goodrow tied it against Anaheim, game three, the second round. Tied the game at three with nineteen seconds left in the third. And then the Flames won in overtime. So just, you know, the fact that was there, it's a playoff game in the second round, like you know, I, I could say when they won the cup, I, I could go with more, more grandiose moments. Maybe I was super young or wasn't there. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. And I'm also kind of rushing this answer because I'm really curious what you're going to throw back at me. <laughs> Jeff, what's your uh, what's your favorite moment? Well, actually, Flames. in Flames history, <laughs> when uh, when we do the intro for the podcast, I've actually talked about it in that. So I'm going to I'm going to tap the brakes a little bit. But I will say that um Brad's got a love of sports uh, commentary and how people call the game. I don't have that same passion about it, but I do love any announcer who says, how does that taste Kippersoff when Tampa, when Tampa won? But sorry, it was just a great call to a certain extent, but Brad, I'll let you take the rest there. Oh man, I wasn't going to be a dick. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I've even, who, who had said that? It was whoever was calling the game for Tampa. I got it on. I think it was Jim Rome's show. They played it over and over again after that game. And oh yeah, it was I, it was it was ugly. I was oh, sitting. I think, I, I've never heard that. I'm dying inside right now. That's awful. You'll be you'll be going to YouTube and trying to search that out, and then try to find that announcer and you know block oh. them on Twitter. <laughs> I, <laughs> that, I, that was. I can't believe you didn't know that. I, oh, I will. Oh, I never heard that. I, I will say, though, um, in regards to not a specific moment, but I could have watched Jerome McGinley play any day of the week, and that guy was through and through, in my humble opinion, the greatest Flames player to ever touch on the red, and I will always respect Jerome McGinley while he, for playing in Calgary and how well he he navigated that, how long he stuck with the team, and he was just the, a soul of a team. So I'll, I'll always respect Jerome McGinley with the Flames. So. Yeah, that's uh, you hear that a lot. Of, of course, I, I remember uh, well. There was rumors they're going to retire number twelve, and I told my girlfriend at the time. I said, "You know that when they do that, I got to go." She said, "Yeah, oh, really?" Yeah. I said, "No, it's something like, like I, I have to go." So I got I got box seats the whole nine yards for that. Like I, it, it was like watching my childhood retire. You know, like sixteen years in Calgary, and he was everything you could ever want in a captain, an ambassador, like just a super super guy too. So. Absolutely. Anyway, I, I'm uh, all right. That uh, you, this I can't be worse. Tr- this can't be worse than how does it taste, Kippersoft? <laughs> I, I could have been a troll. I could have said, you know, the moment when Mark Messier elbowed Jamie McCowan, knocked him clean the f out. But I was still a little kid when that happened, and I probably shouldn't have been seeing that as a little kid. <laughs> the violence that I endured watching Oiler Flame hockey and the hatred that was drove through me as a child and you know even driving to calgary for business as i got older it was like i fucking hate the city i don't know why i'm here (laughs) you know i I need to do this though to get through it brad get through it but everything's fine you know what i'm not gonna troll you i'm gonna say that my favorite moment of in flames history in my opinion as an oiler fan it was february 1st 2020 you know only a year ago you know, the Battle of Alberta reborn, you know, in my opinion, if we get back to where things are at, you know, watching Mike Smith, who had just crossed, oh, Jesus, hit my mic, I'm all excited. <laughs> Mike Smith cross, going to center ice, he'd, he'd been in the other goal only a year before, Cam Talbot, the same thing. Those guys 
for them to fight in that scenario, uh, I, I can't believe Talbot's gone. He should have been a fan favorite. That was the most exciting flame oiler game I had seen in almost 20 years. Uh, it was, it was awesome. It yeah, was, I've got, I've got to agree with that. There's, there's no question. And I, and I think to your point, the only reason that Talbot wasn't retained was because like everything just shut down. So when the bubble started months later, it, it just, that passion that everything just kind of got lost. And I, and I don't think that's really going to return until there's fans in the building again. But I remember watching that and thinking, I can't stand Mike Smith because again, he, he let it. He let in a terrible, terrible goal the night that they retired. I'm I'm sitting in this box at the dome, lose my mind. He gets stuck behind his net trying to play the puck for what felt like half an hour. Minnesota score, they win the game like four or three, whatever it was. It was devastating. But I knew when that fight with those two happened, like man, for Talbot, this is not going to go well. Mike Smith is a lot of things, but he's he's foremost amongst them a fiery competitor. And I think he might be a bit of a lunatic, so he's not someone you want to fight. <laughs> he was just starting the lawnmower just on Cam Talbot's face. Oh it just, man! It was I remember actually uh, Talbot's wife was tweeting like as that was going on. She's like, there was some concern there. Like I think she knew like the rest of us. It was not like yeah. he had he had to do it at that point. He had to do it, and God love him for that. But it, there was no way that was going to end well. Yeah, we were the, obviously. Yeah. A, Go ahead, John. He answered, he answered the bell. He really shouldn't have, but he did. So give him full props on that. There's a local artist in Edmonton. I think his name's like Mike Nguyen or something like that. And he, he paints uh, portraits of Euler moments and Flames moments and hockey moments. And there's a, there is a painting of, of Darnell Nurse pointing down the ice and Calm Talbot in the background. And he's like, the, the pointing, get down there, go fight that guy. You know, was one of the most awesome moments. And, you know, We'll leave it there. Uh, Kyle, thank you for joining the pod tonight. We really had a, a great chat with you. Hopefully we can have you on again. Uh, the conversation was awesome. Um, you can follow Kyle at Van Lewis 14 on Twitter. Um, and sounds like you might be uh, getting in the podcast world as well, Kyle. Yeah, yeah we've all, this, again, I think because of COVID, there's been a lot more interest in, in doing podcasts and bringing fans together however we can and talking about, you know, the very things that we, we talked about tonight. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, something we're going to get one here for, for, uh, for flames fans here very soon. And, and, uh, you know, maybe bring you guys on and tell us, uh, some more of your favorite, uh, Oilers, uh, flames moments, maybe find a, a few more things we could bond over. Cause I was surprised how many we found. Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> That's, uh, we'd, uh, we'd love to do that. And, uh, honestly it was, uh, I was expecting a little bit more heat, from both sides of the fence, but uh, obviously we're, uh, we're we're just great people, you know, who follow great <laughs> hockey teams. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. this. Was great. Yeah. All right. Thanks, lot, Thanks again, Kyle. Right. Take care. Oh, Jeff, what an awesome conversation with Kyle. I'm so glad we were able to get him on the pod tonight. Uh, hopefully he does start up his pod and, 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 you know, shows his, his flames love, uh, and maybe we'll come on and, uh, and give him, uh, give him some Euler updates. Uh, I, I love the, uh, the trolling you did with suck it, Kippersoff at the end of that. So, um, it was an awesome conversation. Cool guy. Um, really stoked that we were able to get him on tonight. Yeah, no, a special thanks for Kyle for coming on. First off, uh, coming on, meeting two guys he had never met before. Obviously, Twitter brings the world together or tears it apart. Uh, for those who didn't know, Kyle was uh, staying up very late to talk to two rando podcast hosts. So very, very much of a thank you to Kyle goes out for that. 
And I will say that obviously we don't have video on this, but Kyle had a very impressive jersey collection uh, hanging in his closet behind him there. So uh, well done on that for sure, sir. Oh, way to go, Jeff. People are going to find out where he lives and he's going to get robbed. <laughs> yeah, because I mentioned a closet and he was staying up late. I'm sure he's safe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. Awesome. I'm so, so pumped now for the Battle of Alberta coming up this weekend. Obviously, the Oilers got destroyed tonight uh, three games in a row by those mighty uh, North Division leading Toronto Maple Leafs. So, um, you know, it's our favorite topic. It's not the topic du jour on those Canadian lads podcasts. We know what that topic is, everybody. But uh, obviously, the Oilers, we we love our Oilers and uh, they've just currently lost three in a row. slowly inching their way back to 500 uh in the negative uh so not a good time to be uh a fan of the mighty oil well i I think you like i I do wonder whether toronto would look as good as they do had they remained in the in the same division they were in last year and i i do want this is kind of the reason i want the realignment to go back so that there isn't a canadian division like this but but toronto does look impressive and you do have to kind of give them full props on it they they certainly are playing well uh, if you go back to Saturday's game, uh, I think it was Nylander who scored that uh, scored that goal that went through two defensemen and just found a pocket the size of a puck to slip underneath the sh- under the armpit of Smith. But I was like, oh, well, that's just their game. Well, it looks like every game is their game right now. So you give them full props for looking as good as they do. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> they, they, they look like they're the best team in the North Division. Uh, unfortunately, you can't rate each other, you know, versus other top teams. They're throughout uh, North America right now, but that'll have to happen in the uh, conference finals uh, when they happen. You know, it's uh, the, the first two rounds of the playoffs are going to be North Division teams battling it out and. Um, I'm just hoping the oil can make it to, uh, to the playoffs. They, this is a, I know it's only a three game skid, but they have not looked good over those last three games and, you know, uh, holding McDavid and dry to where they are. I think our dry is hurt right now. Uh, he's not playing the way he should be playing, um, the way he can play. So that's, uh, that's concerning. Yeah, as I said, I, I'm not going to get too excited about a three-game skid at this point in time, but I obviously there those in-game adjustments aren't taking place right now. Uh, once again, kudos to the Leafs defense and their team for holding Drysaddle and McDavid completely in check for three games, which um, I don't know the stat, but I'm willing to say that I don't think that's happened to McDavid during his tenure in the NHL. So, yeah, they've uh, it definitely doesn't look good, but... Um, but quite frankly, at this, uh, we'll see what they bounce back. They've got a couple of games coming up. They play Calgary on Saturday, and then I could think believe they ship off to Ottawa shortly thereafter, or they play Ottawa here in town. Uh, th- those should be games that they can uh, bounce back on. Ah, uh, the uh, the free space on the old bingo card. Going to the old bingo hall to get uh, the Ottawa Senators. I think we have a three game set with them, so uh, hopefully we don't shit the bed and get those six points and. Uh, you know, just keep rolling through and uh, let's finish this regular season up. I'm ready for some playoff hockey, to be honest with you. So, Well, you promised me playoff hockey through the regular season because of this division and it uh, doesn't deliver quite yet. If I promise, uh, <laughs> under promise, <laughs> un- over deliver, Jeff, under promise yeah, okay. and over deliver. That's the mantra. Absolutely. So um, that all being said, obviously we can drone out about hockey all night if we choose to, but 
Uh, I did want to kind of jump into a few things that are taking place. Um, obviously, COVID is always uh, COVID is going on and always forefront of minds. But is that is that still a thing going on? COVID still a, still a thing. Apparently, I okay. do like I, yeah. I do like that. Obviously, Texas is um, Texas well, they is going hard, eh? Texas is going to be the tip of the spear, and we're going to see what happens when you open up right in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm I'm very curious to see how that's going to shape out for them. And quite frankly, I'm glad that somebody. <laughs> at the expense of human life or anything else i'm glad they're doing it so jeez <laughs> we Holy. have some friends in texas so we might have to bring them on the pod and get an update to see yeah. how things are going yeah that's definitely true i but but at a certain point in time and like it's easy to sit here and go oh nothing's gonna happen or everyone's gonna die so it will be interesting to see how that shakes out but as i said i'm kind of glad it's texas and not alberta so <laughs> We are the uh, Texas of the North, though. So uh, Jason Kenney and the uh, the UCP government, uh, his buddy, uh, Tyler, Tyler and Premier, uh, they're in charge and they're going to be making decisions for us going forward. So uh, though they did, uh, they e- they eased up a little bit. You can have some uh, low energy workouts. I don't know what that uh, that's all about. Uh, I know you like to work out a lot. Uh, I know when I work out, I sweat a lot. So that's probably a, uh, a COVID times no-no. So um, we're going to see what things shake out over the next couple of weeks, see if cases drop, uh, and then hopefully get into phase three and phase four of uh, of the reopening of Alberta. And that that is one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on because it's such an absurd uh, validation of how we're going to go about things. So for those who don't know, the province of Alberta said – will allow gyms and fitness classes to open up for low-intensity workouts. Now, that's the most ridiculous rating system I've ever heard. I know they did say that they're following BC down this rabbit hole because they've seen success in BC's plan, but low-intensity workout, that is different for every single individual uh, and no matter what they're doing. Now, you could have somebody who's a marathon runner who can run a run 25 uh, can cover tw- uh, 5k in 25 minutes. And that might be not be a high intensity workout for them because they're so good at running. But I can say that from experience, if I'm repping out at my max and I am lifting as hard as I can, that's a high intensity workout for me. And I am sweating and I am breathing hard. So I, I have no idea how this province uh, chooses to kind of go about their rating system. I think it's absurd that they're just going to let this kind of fall down to the businesses to enforce. It's the same thing as uh, we're going to have waitresses and waiters and hostesses uh, tell people, well, I don't believe the three or four of you live together. Therefore you can't sit down and risk having to have a confrontation. So you know what? It's fine. You want to open up. I very much appreciate it. I'm on the end where I do want to go to restaurants. I would love to go back to my gym instead of working out in my basement. However, if you're going to put absurd uh, ratings on this about what's right and when you can open, it's not going to work out well for anybody. Oh, I couldn't completely. I couldn't agree with you more. That obviously makes bad podcasting when we agree on everything that's happening. So, um, agree to agree, Jeffrey Reeves. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that uh, the other thing that kind of got my goat. Obviously, I think everybody who's listened to this podcast, or quite frankly, just has a brain in their head, they know that the government's inept. And what I'm referring to is the quarantine hotel program for when Canadians arrive back in the, the province. The gulags. The gulags. Rebel and, News is key <laughs> And we'll, we'll, we'll come right back to Mr. Begstein. No problem at all, because that's absurd. But, but 
of course, a government-run program in which individuals have to return to a country, book their tests, get their get into a hotel, pay an exorbitant fee. Of course, it's mismanaged. Of course, things are not going well because the government doesn't know how to run a private business. So to have the government step in and tell hotels how to go about their business and what they're going to do, of course, it's fallen flat. And much like everything that the government does, their heart's probably in the right place. I don't think there's a big conspiracy that, like uh, Begsty will say, oh, it's a gulag, it's a prison. Oh, the rape rape sanctioned by Justin Trudeau, that's absurd. However, this is a poorly run solution in regards to how we're going to stop new variants from coming into the country. And I'm not shocked at all that people are, one, not getting fed, two, walking away from the airport while the police walk them, watch them do it. And things are not going well. No Jeff, shit. Uh, we've all stayed in hotels before. We're all we're all adults. Uh, why the hell can they not order skip the dishes to their room? Why are they expecting the hotel to feed them? You know, there's so many holes in this whole. You know, trying to make a news story out of nothing. You know, it's oh uh, yeah, yeah. And well, the, and Buddy lost his his uh his meds, his cancer preventing meds, uh, in his luggage. Who the hell puts their meds in their luggage? Well, I have to really thank you and Bo for exposing me to one Rebel News and to this clown of a reporter. Like, I'm not one to engage on Twitter, and I did see that. Like, obviously, when he's putting out his videos of his uh, time in the gulags, people were responding left, right, and center, and very much exactly what I would have said. But the guys. For those who don't know what this guy did, he effectively flew to Florida for the sole purpose of turning around and flying back to Calgary so he could experience experience the COVID jails sanctioned by Justin Trudeau. Of course, this fuckhead. Sorry, I got excited. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he shows up at the airport, starts trying to grill Alberta Health Services. One, they don't really even care if he stays there or just leaves from the judging of the interaction. Uh, then he goes and like asks the nurse what's going on. She's like, I don't know. You could have left again. And then he he finally just gives up and goes, well, I'm going to drive myself to the hotel. I chose to pay for already. I know the government told him to do that, but come on, man, you can't, you're going to sit there and go like, Oh, I'm forced to do this while you booked it all up and then sit there and bitch and moan. You're like, Oh, United lost my bag. Now I don't have my medication. Well, put your medication in your carry on first off. And then second, you're like, Oh, I should really be going home. I could have been. You could have gone home, man. I don't like. You're like, oh, I don't want to break these unsanctioned rules. But you're making this up. This is you just trying to like find a story. And he's walking through the hallway of a hotel employee. He's like, hey, did you did you hear that they're punching out the deadlocks of the, de- <laughs> the deadbolts <laughs> of these hotel rooms so people could sneak in and rape people? It's like the guy says, like, no, I haven't heard that because of course he hasn't. Poor bastard, <laughs> just walking oh, as a clown to the. Oh yeah, well, no, it's you, crazy. It, we're living in crazy, crazy world, aren't we? Well, it's anything to try to prove a point. Like going so far to your way, and then one. I look. This is and this is my total like appreciation of Rebel News. Now they they pull this stunt and they go, "Hey, help support him by donating to our site." Is your choice to spend your money, you dipshits? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to bring Bo on to bring bring this topic topic up again. So I, uh, yeah, listen, like I don't go on there and read all the all their news stories because, quite frankly, I'm getting enough of a taste of it by watching this clown and the fact that they're willing to put him on and everything like that. But holy hell, <laughs> it's near entertainment. You know, it's it entertaining is, it, actually. 
it's farcical. It's almost like an SNL skit. That, that that's the absurdity level it's at. But the the one thing, the one serious note I will say, and the thing that irritates me, and this was very true of what took place in the United States over the last four years, uh, regardless of my opinions of Donald Trump, is that there was legitimate things that our political our political officials do and the government does. When you want to focus on quote unquote gulags or prison rapes and all the stuff that's going on, you're actually missing the stuff that does need to be brought up. And you're actually, you're trying to, you're diverting attention away from real issues that could, you know, affect the citizens of this country. But you know, yeah, just, just keep doing your little skit. It's okay. Yeah, no, let's, uh, let's segue off uh, Keenan Bexty. I do want to uh, bring something up. It's more of a, I need to rehash a chat that we were actually having over the weekend with our wives. And it's something that's just, it's something that's just, it's disturbed me. It, I've, I've sat, you know, alone in a room thinking about this uh, over and over again. So dear listener or listener, um, have you ever called your doctor by his first name? And are you adamant that it's, that's okay? Jeff, Explain to me who Ron is. I was gonna say I'm not gonna use my doctor's real name, but well, I just I, did. So you just did. So we won't use the last name, but but yeah, Ron is my doctor, and who in the right fuck calls their <laughs> doctor by the his first name. Listen, I I needed a doctor. I hadn't had one for like 17, 15 years, give or take. And my wife said, you need to have a doctor. I started calling around. I met this guy. He seemed very competent. And I said, I'm like, what's your, I'm like, I had his name from Google, obviously. And I called him up. I'm like, hey, Ron, I'm looking for a family. I'm looking for a doctor. Are you taking on patients? And he's like, yeah, I am. But we have to do an interview. So anyways, from the initial interaction, I called him by his first name. And much like my dentist, who I call Brent, these are, <laughs> it is what it is. He's got the, he responds to it. Now, <laughs> I doubt he responds. After you leave, he's like, can you believe that mother effort just called me Ron again? I went to school for like eight years and this clown comes in and I'm checking his pulse and he's calling me Ron. Hey, we have a casual conversation. It's, it's fine. He does like, yeah, he did ask me not to do it in the waiting room in front of other patients, but yeah, if there's because no other he doesn't patients, want to be disrespected. It's fine. No, I, you know what? He, hey, one, he knew this coming in. He didn't have to take me out as a patient. So it was, so he's clearly okay with it to a certain extent. I, I, I will say, and maybe, no, no, I'm not even admitting that I'm in the wrong here. I'm clearly in the minority because the response that I got from you. Uh, it was pretty visceral, and I honestly, I for the life of me, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. I, I literally just called you a monster. You're, you're <laughs> this poor bastard. You know he's out here, you know, helping people, especially during COVID times. And in comes in comes rolling in Jeff. Uh, hey, Ron, uh, let's get things going here. And poor Ron is just trying to help you, Jeff. And he's supposed to be Doctor So and So. He's a good doctor. I do like Ron quite a bit, actually. He's very, very to the point, which I like out of my medical professionals. But you, sh- you should fuck with him and call him Captain Ron. Well, I'm not going to be disrespectful to him. Oh, that's disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, that's disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to bring it up. <laughs> it was just bothering me so much that what kind of human being would call 
a a professional like a doctor by their first name you know well clear, she, clear, clearly your co-host but. yeah clearly i I, I, I will say it like, and maybe this is something we put out to the listeners. I don't know if anyone tweets us when we ask these questions out or e- emails the show or anything like that. But, but I honestly, like, as I said, if, if it was clearly established from the beginning, I don't think it's a big deal. Now, if he'd corrected me at the very beginning and said, no, I don't want, I don't want to go by my first name, call me rainbow. <laughs> then it's like, fine. But <laughs> he seemed fine with it. And as I said other other professionals seem to be okay with it. I don't know. But yeah, maybe they hate me behind my back. I don't know. Oh yeah, they're totally just sewering you in the coffee room after after work hours. Yeah, I actually don't have asthma. They just make me buy the medication. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> suck it back, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. All right. Sorry for for bringing up personal oh, stuff. No, it's fine. I was it's just. just I had a feeling you were going to bring it up. I was going to, I was going to drop his name, but, uh, but say Levy, it's all good. Yeah, it was, <laughs> Nobody's going to find him. <laughs> no, but it was bugging the hell out of me, but good times. Good times. So, okay. Like we don't need to dwell on this all night, but wh- where's the line? There is where- no line. It's yet. Yeah, it's doctor. So-and-so or not. You don't, you don't. What about don't. like Mr. Somebody? Well, here's, I do like, for an adult, like, so I have obviously children in elementary school. It really bugs me that I have to call their teacher by their, you know, Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so, you know, it's. Oh, screw that. Larry or Jenny. Yeah. You know, it's not the same. A doctor. No, man, that's a hard job. And you're dealing with the public every day. I'm not saying a teacher isn't a hard job. It, that's a hard job, but, you know. As an well, adult, I shouldn't have to call another adult who's teaching my children, you know, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. We'll have to ask Mr. Vale how he feels about that in a future. Yeah, episode. actually, that's a great uh, great one to bring up with our uh, our educator on the show. Yeah. Vale. <laughs> yeah, so. Eds. <laughs> so, that being said, you've brought up uh, how I disrespect my medical professional people around me. Anything else you want to discuss before we sign off for the night? You know what, Jeff? Uh, I was uh, I was too pumped up just from our, our conversation about the Battle of Alberta. I'm so surprised that uh, we had an actual, like, functional, friendly, awesome chat with a Calgary Flames fan tonight. You know, I I will say, like, obviously, we all have friends who celebrate who celebrate who cheer for you know other teams that we don't cheer for. And uh, being in Alberta, you're always going to run into Calgary fans, but. I will say that, like, you know, just like Kyle had brought up, uh, when I'm sitting at a game and I'm talking with a Flames fan or, you know, they're a few rows over, you know, it's pretty friendly banter, all things considered. Uh, I do agree with them. I do think the Toronto and Montreal fans are probably the worst. And it's maybe a little bit of an inferiority complex on my part that they fill up half the building for my own, for my team's home game. But, but yeah, I never really have too much of an issue with Flames fans. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, if the, if the opportunity ever presents itself, I'd gladly buy Kyle a beer at a game and uh, watch the Oilers kick the crap out of the flames, hopefully. so. I was uh, I was just about to say that uh, I would have no problem sitting down and having a beer with Kyle at the uh, at, at Rogers Place, never the Saddle Dome. I will never, ever step foot in that God-forsaken building. It's a, like, I, obviously, if you're never going to go, you won't experience this. And I, I didn't, I meant to ask Kyle about it, but I've only been in there uh, very high up 
Uh, and it is a mind. It's, it messes with your mind when you see that roof kind of cascading down. And I'm like, if I look straight, I'm looking into like blackness. What is going on here? I actually lost a little bit of respect for you tonight, knowing that you've actually stepped foot in that stadium. If it helps, it wasn't during an actual Flames game. Oh, good. There you go. So, yeah. Well, that that makes it a little bit better. But I appreciate that. Anyways, you know what? That being said, you know it was a it was a fun night. Uh, really enjoyed bringing in somebody kind of outside of our circle to chat with, uh, and uh, look to do more of that uh, on those Canadian lads podcasts. But uh, any closing words from yourself, Jeffrey? Mister uh, Jeffrey, Mister I. <laughs> I think I'll leave it with. Um... Here's hoping for a good game on Saturday night. Uh, Everybody enjoy a beverage, uh, not on me, but enjoy a beverage nonetheless, and uh, have yourself a wonderful evening. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. It's episode 17 of Those Canadian Lads, and we'll be back next week with episode 18. Thanks again for listening to Those Canadian Lads podcast. Give us a follow on social media. We're on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you like what you heard, Give us a follow and share it with your friends. Thanks again and have a great night.